Hello and welcome to That's So Craven. We are now streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Twitch. Make sure you follow us on all social media and subscribe to be notified when a live recording starts. Please, please, please share That's So Craven with your Fulham friends to keep our community growing. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and come on you whites. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. We're here to discuss Fulham playing Brighton this weekend. The Cull of the Gull. Here to discuss it all today. Sammy, how are you going, buddy? Oh, the Cull of the Gull. That caught me that caught me a little bit by surprise. That was funny. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And Dad, how are you going now that the pressure has been lifted off your shoulders and you don't have to produce this one? <laughs> well, I'm not sure who's more relieved, uh, that audience out there or me without having any production responsibilities. I'm very happy to be here and very relaxed in my chair. Thank you very much. I think it's actually me because I was listening in bit by bit and sweating hearing the uh, the ums and the, oh, how does this work? Why isn't this video <laughs> playing? What's going on here? It gave me major anxiety and uh, I'm glad glad to be back. But it was a very fun listen. I did enjoy on my drive back home from a little holiday jaunt, tuning in and listening to you two talk Fulham. Uh, I was really upset actually that I wasn't able to participate because... Um, that was such a great game against Nottingham Forest. That was a really mm. top-class performance from us, and I, I really enjoyed watching it. And Dad, obviously, we we messaged throughout the whole game. Um, it was just a just a great game. I mean, let's just touch on it very quickly because I, I feel you, do. you want to get involved, don't you? You yeah, want to get let's involved. Just go, let's just go back and talk about <laughs> just let, that instead. Um, let him have his moment. Let him enjoy. Yeah, that was great. Um, no, but uh, let's let's not talk about it too much. But how good to see that oh, William goal! Just the one of the best goals I've ever seen, and I did send in that comment because of it as well. Like it was just I, I was you know it's eleven eleven fifteen at night when that goal went in, and I was fist pumping and trying to keep as quiet as possible, but I almost let out a shriek. Um, uh, it was just so good, and then how good to see Solomon score as well. I think. Uh, just quietly, yeah. I'm pretty sure I tipped a two 0 win to Fulham against Forest and Solomon to score a goal. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. That's that that's that's Alfie's university tuition there, I guess. Oh, <laughs> I wish. Well, we'll get onto that later anyway. But um, right, let's let's actually focus on the upcoming game this weekend. So, Fulham taking on Brighton now, guys. Uh, at the start of the season, or when we played these guys back in August. Um, I was having a quick look back and I saw that actually Fulham's win against Brighton stopped Brighton from going top in the league. Mm. Uh, back in August, I can't remember exactly the position Fulham were in at the time, but, um, you know, we'd had a pretty good start. Mitra had scored, I think it was his fifth goal of the season already against Brighton. Um, but now looking forward, what, six months later, we're in mid to late February now. Sam, did you expect... Fulham and Brighton to be sitting sixth and seventh in the Premier League all the way back in August? I kind of expected Brighton to, but I was not expecting us to be right there with them. Like, mm. uh, it, was, it was an important game then, and it's e equally as important now. I, I think these, uh, us, uh, Brighton and Brenton, are probably some of the most interesting teams in the Premier League at the moment. And, um, 
I think the scrap... I, I'm really looking forward to this game because I think that this is one of the most important scraps because I feel that this... Like, if we can be the top of this kind of group of three and um, beat them again on the second round. And I think we have it in us to do it because I think we actually kind of wanted a little bit more than Brighton do just because we have something to prove. And I, Yeah, it's... No, it's, I think it's really exciting. I'm really excited for this game, like genuinely. That's great. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And uh, for our live streamers as well, thanks, William. Evening to you as well. William joining in on the live stream. Just so everyone remembers as well, we do live stream all of these podcasts now on Facebook, uh, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, uh, and everywhere else you get your live streams, but I think just those. Um, Dad, um, <laughs> sorry, feeling good today. Um, Dad, uh, same, same question, I guess. You know, we, we expected Brighton to be doing well, but pre-season, I remember scrolling through Twitter and people putting up their Premier League predictions and, constantly seeing Fulham put in the relegation zone or maybe finishing 17th. Um, it, we started really well this this year. And when we did play Brighton, you know, like I said, Mitro scored his fifth goal for the season already. And we beat a Brighton team who we know are a very solid Premier League team as well. Did did you expect us to be in this kind of position come February with, you know, three quarters, uh, well, uh, two thirds of the season gone? Despite what anyone might ever say about their confidence, no one could have any any reason at all to believe that this could actually be happening. And I think that when we had such a promising start to the season, I, I think I was no different to every Fulham supporter out there, sort of pinching ourselves and wondering when that little purple patch run would end. And... You know, think, thinking right back to that first game against Liverpool where I thought to myself, what just happened there? Did, did we actually just show what we just showed? And, you know, we, we saw Brighton not long after that from memory, if my memory serves me correctly. Hmm. And we did expect for that to be a really difficult game and we, you know, we did really well. Um, so... You know, of course, I think we're getting used to the fact that we're consistently performing well now, and that's sort of coming out some of the TikToks that Sam Sam's been producing as well, where he's actually doing player summaries and almost expecting people to, you know, well, over, overlooking their quite su superb performances and giving them f fairly average uh, ratings, and I think. For me, this is a real, real asset test and a proper point of reference as to how we're really doing here. We know that we're better than, um, it sounds very smug, but we know that we are performing smug better than, than the majority of the bottom half of the table. But, you know, when it's Brentford, when it's um, Brighton, this is the real test. This is the real test. Mm. Um, because we, we we think we can do well. We can certainly be really competitive against the top four sides, but we don't really go in there expecting to take away three points at a steal. But this is going to be a real test, and I'm really excited about it. Jack, I don't know about you as well, but I would literally categorize Brighton, Brentford, and Fulham as the three best-run clubs in the Premier League right now. 
I can't really think of a better run club, arguably maybe Arsenal, if we're potentially going to think that way. But in terms of like the resources at bay and how they've been utilized, Fulham, Brighton, Brentford. So I really want to be top of that group. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, if you if you're determining it and saying, you know, obviously you can you can look at a team like Arsenal, a team like Man City, a team like Newcastle who have oodles of cash. They're they're well run because they have the resources to do so. The fact that Brighton, Fulham, and Brentford are all up and up and around there with what we have available to us, um, you know, is testament to how good a season we're having and. You know, we we know that Brighton are a good team. They have been a good team for some time now as well. Um, and Brentford have proved themselves over the last, oh, you know, couple of years that they they can actually do it in the Premier League. And they've got some very handy players as well. Fulham are the the team this year that are really proving a point. And you you know you can see that from the fact that the pundits all focus mainly on how great a job Brighton do, how great a job Brentford do but don't quite give that to Fulham yet. And I think if Fulham have a good season finish in the top half this year, um, next year we're going to get a lot more of those plaudits, which I'm okay that we don't get those plaudits at the moment because I'm quite happy flying under the radar a little bit. But Mm, it it would be nice to be um, sort of seen a little bit more by the journalists and, and them to actually kind of give us a thumbs up and say, you know what, you guys are actually doing really well here and we were wrong. I actually just want a few journalists to come out and say, yep, I was wrong. Um, Tim Ream is 35 and one of the best defenders in the league. Mitro can do it in the Premier League. Fulham have signed really well this season and been really smart with the signings they've made and, and the squad that they put out on the pitch. And, you know, they're, they're an example of how you do it when you come up from the championship because I think that it is an example of how you do it. And I think we and, should and, all and be that, really proud of what Fulham have done do this it. year as well. Yeah, exactly, and that um, and that that's the way to do it, rather than buying a whole bunch of new players and try and scramble the team together. Yeah, and you know we've made mistakes in the last few years, um, but we've definitely turned it around. So, uh, just picking up on a couple of comments coming in um, on our live stream. Uh, good morning as well to Steve over in Spain. We also had a comment saying, "I'm an FFC fan in Thailand." So great to see we've got amazing. Um, William following from Australia, Steve over in Spain, another one up in Thailand as well. And uh, comment here from William, the lack of recognition from journalists almost seems intentional for some reason. I, I don't know if it is intentional, but I just feel like yeah. little old Fulham get, get missed a little bit. And, you know, Brighton have those players who get sold for 60, 70, 80 million and are, are really chased down by big clubs. Brentford have Ivan Tony, who's doing big things and obviously having a great season as well. Um and, uh, you know, brand new stadium for Brentford. There's a bit of a buzz there because they haven't been in the Premier League for a long time. So it, it is a big deal for them. But uh, like I said, I'm okay with the fact that we miss out on a lot of that recognition. But at the end of the season, I want a few journalists to come forward and just sort of say, yep, I was wrong. Fulham, mm. Fulham were yeah, great right. this year. Right. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I hope you, you say get, that. I hope but... you get everything you want for Christmas as well, Jack. But, you I know... Think... Um, you know, William. Just to answer William's question, I th- it is intentional because I think most of the journalist pack tend to be fanboys, you know, and they are starry-eyed about the stars and the big clubs. They really are, mm. and I think Fulham don't have enough showbiz from their perspective, and maybe they're they're, they're not actually 
yeah, we're just not interesting enough. But you know what? I'm I'm kind of fine with all of that mm-hmm. because we're underdogs. We go in under the radar. There's less attention. Not not that not that you know opposition clubs coaching staff wouldn't do their homework on us. Of course mm-hmm. they would. But I I think um, there's probably more pressure on the whole squad if every broadsheet and and tabloid is picking you as winners every week and then you don't mm. do it. it it's probably mm. harder. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Sammy, were you going to say something there as well? Yeah, I was just going to say that it does take quite a long time to um, build up uh, a bit of a reputation as well. Like Brighton has been extremely consistent with their excellent recruitment and the job that Graham Potter essentially did, but it did largely come from management and them just having a very excellent structure. And they consistently did that for like about three, four years. So now they're getting notoriety. Whereas I would argue probably for the first two years, they weren't re they were probably a bit more like us right now. I feel that Brentford have always been a little bit more sexy just because they um, have a bit of a um, reputation now for toppling big six teams like they have a very very strong record against like the big 6 in the last couple of outings that they've seen them over the past 2 years or so so i think that kind of garners a little bit more attention but honestly i'd rather um give the top 6 competitive games and then us just essentially win the games that we need to win because i it's a bit like that scott parker season yeah we beat um liverpool at anfield but we lost every other game so it's like yeah yeah, I, I agree with I, that. I love, um, I, love, I love the way we could potentially speak for an hour on these very questions. That's what <laughs> podcasts are for. <laughs> Just a point there as well from Steve. Uh, it's good to get recognition from Match of the Day pundits and not being last on. I remember yes. being a young kid and watching Match of the Day, which comes on fairly late in the evening, and always being disappointed that Fulham were, were on so late and only on for about, you know, 90 seconds as they just show the goals and don't show what actually happened in the whole game. Um, so I, obviously we don't get to watch match of the day here. We watch Optus Sports over here in Australia and get really good highlights packages. But um, I, I do know what that feels like when you, you're constantly overlooked on match of the day. So it's nice that we are getting a little bit of recognition, at least in the mainstream media. Um, having a quick look at the last five games for each team, Fulham, as we know, had that good win against Nottingham Forest on the weekend. So our last five are looking quite good at the moment. Obviously, the FA Cup fixtures featured quite a different starting eleven from the Premier League games, but last three league games, we had a 1-0 loss to Tottenham, 0-0 with Chelsea and 2-0 against Forest, so in pretty good form in the league. Um, Brighton also in very good form, and you can see a couple of good wins there against Liverpool in the last five games, yeah. one in the FA Cup and one in the league. Um, recently drew with Crystal Palace, 1-0 against Bournemouth and a draw with Leicester. Um Sammy, just looking at those league results, they're not overly impressive, not to bag out Brighton at all because they're obviously ahead of us in the table, but a one-all draw with Palace, a two-all draw with Leicester and a one-nil win against Bournemouth, they're not the toughest of opponents sitting in 12th, 13th and 19th in the league. Uh, to be fair, I'm not really sure if that's a fair reflection because I watched the Crystal Palace game and they, they got dogged by a VAR decision off of a very, very pretty goal. Um, oh, man, I'm, I, Brighton are good. <laughs> like they, mm. I was watching, I was watching um, their last two games and the highlights and they, 
Oh, they, they, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm excited for the potential of what it could be, but, ooh, they're a very, very <laughs> well-run side and a very, very well-worked team. I think they've really actually just had issues with things like VAR, like such as everybody has, but they are clinical. They are precise. Yeah. Like, I feel that but, those, but those to, don't really speak to... But Sam, yeah. to, you know, if, to be clinical generally mm. means to get the ball in the back of the net on a really mm. frequent basis. And if you look at that, other than, you know, the the fifth uh, last game against Liverpool at 3-0, um, they're not scoring lots of goals. And, and I mean, Fulham have been relatively quiet in the league as well. But... You know, look at the last three, two of the last but, three um, uh, league fixtures there. You know, there's Chelsea and, and Tottenham. So they're not rubbish teams who've played. But you did miss so, my point, though, because I said that Brighton have actually been denied a lot of goals. So, like, in the um, in the highlights that I watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the highlights, well, I know, yeah. I, know there was a, I know there was a VAR howler against Palace, but um, I don't really rate Palace. So why... You know, I'd, I'd expect someone as as good as Brighton at the moment to to be probably, you know, three one uh, v Palace. I don't think, I don't think Palace are as bad. Like they had a shocker against us, but I think that was probably a bit more of an anomaly than to just outrightly take them out of recognition. One, one I don't nil know, Jack, Bournemouth, what are you one nil Bournemouth. One nil Bournemouth. I think they also got denied a goal from that as well. Well, I mean, you know, we we can we can talk about VAR and say that it's affecting games, and it does affect some games, but it affects all teams as well. At the end of the yeah, day, of like, course. Uh, and often with VAR, yes, there there have been some pretty bad errors with VAR, but often you, you say you're dogged by VAR, but if a player's offside by a fraction and it gets picked up on VAR, they were still offside. Um, so it, it's it's hard to say exactly. I, I mean, I just brought it up by the fact that. You know, a lot of these are narrow victories or, or small draws um, with teams that aren't that impressive. I mean, Liverpool in the FA Cup would have put out a very different side there. Um, mm. the, the win against Liverpool in the league is obviously impressive. But again, Liverpool are sitting below both of us in the league so far this season. So they're, they're in terrible form at the moment. So getting results against Liverpool, we've seen it ourselves with the result in the first game of the season when they were fresh. And we you know, almost took three points off them. So um, I look, one thing I, I, I will I think, Jack, Sorry. Mm. Sorry, Jack. This what is, I was going to say. The... Sorry. Go on. Go one on. thing I was going to say was Brighton do have a couple of injuries up top. They had Danny Welbeck, who's been their starting striker for for most of the season, is, is out at the moment. Evan Ferguson has been very impressive as well. He's coming back from injury. And they've had to start, I think it's Undav or Udav, um, as their third choice striker, effectively, who's been starting games for them, so that might be why they've been slightly less clinical in the last couple of weeks. Mm. Um, but they are still scoring goals. You know, you look at that; they've they've scored more goals than Fulham have in that period. So uh, they're definitely not not struggling. Um, yeah. But I, I just thought I'd raise that as a potential a point of discussion: is have they had? I mean, their form looks good, but have they had that hard of a, of the last five games? Well, that was the point I was going to make. It's it's a it's a tried and tested way of reviewing recent performances to look at the last five. 
But when you have a table as polarized, if that's the word I can say, you know, quite uneven, you know, if, if, if you're playing three of the top four or five sides in your last five games versus, you know, people fighting for relegation, it's a big difference. Mm. And yeah, of course, yeah. you, you, you look at these results through relatively sort of, I suppose, smart lenses, and you're not just comparing the fact that you've, we've got three and they've got two wins, but, you know, a, a, a result against Leicester is not a result equivalent to a result against Tottenham, for example. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, let, let's look at the table, though, which obviously gives a bit of a better understanding of how each team has gone for the whole season so far. So Brighton actually sitting in a very good position there, sitting sixth. They have mm. two games in hand over Tottenham and could quite easily leapfrog Tottenham and yeah. potentially even Newcastle, well, not Newcastle on goal difference, but could be up and around in the top four effectively with a couple of good results with their games in hand. Fulham, uh, uh, in this table at least, have played as many as any other side in the league. Um, if we look below us at, at Chelsea, Brentford and Liverpool, they all have at least one game in hand over us. So it actually makes games like this very, very important if we want to maintain this league position. A win mm. here keeps us two games uh, in, two games ahead of Brighton, but at least it gives us a three-point buffer on Brighton, um, which you know, you'd expect them probably with the form they are in and how well they've played this season to make up on us, but at least it keeps us up with the pack. Same with uh, Brentford, Liverpool, Chelsea. Uh, I mean, Liverpool and Chelsea in ninth and 10th, you do expect them to pick up the points for the rest of the season. There, there are 16, 17 games left for them to pick up points this year. You expect that they'll jump up the table at some point mm -hmm. because I, I don't think there's been a time in the last... Oh, 20 years, let's say, that the big six hasn't finished sort of within the top seven or eight at least. Uh, they, they never really fall much below that. So to see a season end with Chelsea in 10th and Liverpool in 9th, I can't, I can't imagine that happening. So really, for us to maintain a position, it's all about us outdoing Brighton and Brentford for the rest of the season. Um, Dad, do you, do you believe that? How far, how far, I guess, down do you feel... Fulham can fall. Do you do you agree that Liverpool and Chelsea are likely to jump up and pick up those points? Oh, look, it's the great debate at the moment, isn't it? And when you that it's really interesting looking at, you know, six to ten, and I totally agree with you. How long can Liverpool and Chelsea really languish at the bottom there? Forget Brentford for a moment, because I I, I rate them as very, very similar contenders to Fulham. Um Brighton mm -hmm. You know, in, in in recent years, arguably, uh, you know, they they deserve their place about where they are at the moment, and and they really will be the benchmark for us uh, yeah, to, to try and overhaul. Mm. So, but when you think about it like that, the, you know, Liverpool and Chelsea are going to be coming for us. There's no doubt about it from a points perspective. Uh, we've played more games than both Liverpool and Chelsea. Uh, and only one and two more, but it's significant. You know, it's potentially six points, which suddenly has them not only just nipping at our heels, but ahead of us if they, if we stand still and they win a couple. So it's, you know, we would obviously be delighted to finish in the top half, but despite what 
the Fulham management are saying, clearly we have the right to have European ambitions at the moment, but that's mm. going to be a dogfight and a half for us to actually fall over the line and 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 get a spot on a on a table basis, presuming presuming or assuming that we don't go through and win the FA Cup, right? Mm. Um, yeah. so I, it, I was going to say, really I, can't remember the, I can't remember the exact rules for uh, European qualification, but obviously, like you said, the Cup winners, so the FA Cup and Carabao Cup winners do get Europe, get Europe off the back of that. Mm. I can't remember if that position then gets handed down to the next best finisher in the league. I, I, I remember it used to be that way, and I, I'm not 100% sure if it still is that way, where if Man City win the win the league and effectively get to qualify for Europe, then the team in seventh picks up that spot um, mm. because Man City are already in the Champions League. So I think if yeah. if the cup is won by Champions League teams, I think that European spot gets handed down to the next best finishers in the league. So it, it could be obviously we hope we win Which the is, FA Cup yeah. and qualify for Europe yeah. that way, but it could be that um, the top four teams also win the cups and therefore effectively gift us European football by oh. finishing even as low as eighth, which yeah. would be, oh. you know, a, a great, great outcome for us. Thanks to the top four for that. Um, a, a comment here from Steve following on the live stream. Uh, I'd settle for 10th and go for the FA Cup. Cup winners go into Europa and correct uh, re Man City and Newcastle as well. Yeah, so Man City and Newcastle obviously will be fighting it out for the Carabao Cup. So... Um, uh, I agree. It's possible that the FA Cup is actually now the best way for us to make it into Europe, with yeah. Liverpool and Chelsea below us, and and making it effectively through through the cup. Um, so let's actually move on to the game itself. Uh, I've put together a little suggested lineup, Marco. I hope you're watching. Um, mm. Now, mm. this is a slightly interesting one, and and we may disagree very slightly on the actual lineup here. Um, I heard you guys discussing the fact that Manuel Solomon keeps getting picked on the right, so I've picked him on the left instead. Hey, um, an actual proper example of a realistic team shape. To Sorry. to be fair, Manuel Solomon does also play on the right, similar to Harry he Wilson. Does. He definitely does. Um, he he is. I think he's predominantly left-footed, but can play on the right, like Harry mm. Wilson is left-footed and always plays on the right, which always surprises me because I've always thought your left-footed players go on the left and your right go on the right. But anyway, um, I did note that Willian did get a kick in the calf in the Nottingham Forest game. And Silva said afterwards that he got kicked. He tried to run it off, but it was too painful. I mm. don't think it's a major injury. But, Dad, do you think there's a possibility that with a couple other games coming up and, and this game against Brighton... Um, do you think it's a possibility that we rest Willian? Because, you know, there is a long way left to go in this season. We have a potential cup run up ahead of, uh, ahead of ourselves. Do you think now's a good time to unleash Solomon on the left to give Willian a, a bit of a break and have him come off the bench maybe late in the game um, and give Solomon the minutes he deserves after his first goal? I think this all depends on Willian's injury. I, I'd say if Willian has has not been able to run it off. And if there's any concern about a lingering injury, I, I don't even think he makes the bench for Silver. I, that would be the smart thing to do. If he's healthy... So if he's anything under 100%, you think he gets rested? No, no, no. Like you want to talk percentages, okay? I think if it's 
soreness, but not um, he's not carrying an injury, but it's a bit of soreness, which is still lingering. I think he starts, but gets gets less minute. I, I think he's he's input at the moment and impact um, from the get go. Too integral, basically. Too integral, way too important. I think he starts. Mm. I think there's a there'd be a level of comfort now that Solomon is match fit, and yep. that if you had to look, Solomon, if if William was fully fit, I say Solomon probably gets twenty minutes, maybe twenty five, even thirty. But I I would think if if Silver could get a half out of Willian right now uh, without pushing it, he'd play him and start him. Hmm. I tend to agree. Uh, look, I, I think that, I mean, Willian is obviously in such good form at the moment and, and quite fairly and rightly are starting left wing. So I think if he is fit, fully fit, he starts. For me, For- I think when you're, when you're that age, and nothing against Willian here in his age, but when you're that you age, really you've got a slight. Well, yeah, true. I think I'm older than him, which is a bit weird. Um, it, I, I, I'm wary that pushing him too hard uh, when he's got a bit of a niggle will cause an issue, and I wouldn't like to see Willian miss four weeks because we played him on a sore calf because I think that would be that would have a drastic effect on the rest of our season. Sure. Yeah. And, Honestly, and it's yeah. A, it, sorry, Sam. It's it's really um, com- completely unique the man management now required for someone like William and maybe Tim Ream as well. Although his fitness, of touch wood, seems to be you know exceptional, um, mm. and I'd say William is probably more fragile uh, than than Tim Ream. So you, you have to manage him entirely differently. And get, given his impact from an attacking perspective, so tempted to play him and start him all the time, but you couldn't risk it. If there's any risk that, you know, sending him out there would cause any long-term damage, I don't think Civil would do it. He's quite conservative. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's that's my point is, um, and I think Silver is looking at the long run here. I know the the narrative is always... We're just trying to get to 40 points and avoid relegation and just keep going game after game. But there's there's got to be a long play here from Silver, and I'm sure he's looking at the rest of the season at the fact we've played, what, 23 games, so we've got um, 15 games left in this this season. Um, if if Willian all of a sudden missed five of those through picking up a, an injury that could have been avoided, that makes a big difference um, and, and can see you plummet down the table this year. And, mm. and I think that might be in the back of his mind where you've got players with a little niggle. You know, I think Tom Kearney's little injury that he picked up, Kearney himself tweeted and said it's not that bad, but we've been told by Marco that he's out for two to three weeks. And I think a lot of that is making sure that he's fully fit and he's not getting rushed back in the team because we do have depth now. You look mm. at, um, I, I, I'll refer to Fulhamish, who I listened to their podcast on the on the drive back as well, Um and, you know, they, they mentioned a tweet that was put out uh, uh, earlier in the week, I think before the Forest game, basically saying, look at our bench from, um, it could mm. have been at the very start of this season. And you've got mm. blokes like Onima sitting on the bench, Tyrese Francois sitting on the bench, 
Mbabu, you know, we didn't have depth at the start of the year. Now look at the bench. You've got Lukic, Kearney, Suarez, Tosin, Wilson, Solomon. Vinicius admittedly isn't having the best season of all, but at least he's a better backup than um, having no striker as a backup. Um, Four Moonies. We're, we're in a yeah, we're in a very different position to where we were at the start of the season, where we can actually be a little bit more careful. And I think we we need to be a bit smarter now because we need to almost think about what we'd be doing if we were in Europe, um, where you do rotate players fairly often. We need to try and prove that we can rotate a squad fairly regularly through a season because you can't expect us to stay in the Premier League playing the same 11 players for 38 games every year for the next three years. Yeah, there has to be some some rotation. And I think we we have to start making those rotations when players are a bit tired and a bit sore because mm. that's the way that we'll actually continue to improve. And if these guys are feeling fairly rested up until the 38th game of the season, we're going to be in a really good position come the end of the year. I just don't really know how Silver's mind works. Like every time I try to predict a lineup, I'm, I, I'd say 90% of the time I get it just ever so slightly wrong. And he makes like a decision and I go, I don't really understand how you did that. But I'd say nine times out of 10, he gets it 100% right. I, I get that maths. Um, but like, I, just, I, I mean, he's clearly very good at his job because I just don't fully get him a little bit. I think well, the, the okay. magic of it is... Also, yeah, you, you you you're not privy. You're not privy to the detail and minutiae of the you know guys' condition and oh, of not. Um, yeah. and 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 all their and how they train as well. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I think yeah, sure. He, he, he is a genius. Everyone knows that. That's um, beyond dispute. But for us to be able to pick the little fine tunings and get that right every time is actually very difficult. I think the magic of his team selection is we always sit here and do this podcast and and it always seems obvious what his team selection should be. Um, we always talk about, you know, Solomon should come on on the right and you know, Diop should start over Tosin and I'd start, you know, um, Tete at right back or, or whatever. And Silva comes out with a completely different 11, even though it seems so obvious who you should be putting out in the park. And they perform perfectly, um, mm. and that's that's the beauty of Silver as a manager is he has such a elite understanding of his squad and the players that he has available to him that he's just getting the best out of them constantly. And you know, you look at someone like Tim Ream, thirty five years old, he's playing like a, an elite Premier League player. He's obviously had this ability deep inside him for his whole career, but he's never been this good. And so Silva's getting that out of him as a player. Polina was obviously a good player before he signed for Fulham, but he wasn't performing at levels that he's currently performing at where people are going, he's a £80 million player. Because mm. he's, he wasn't when he joined the team. He was a £20 million player. Yeah. Um, and so we Silva's able to get every every little inch out of these guys. And it's really, it's just, I, I love it. I love watching it. And I love being wrong when I predict a team and going, geez, why has he picked that team? And then they go out and win. And you're mm. like, well, that's why he's picked that team, because he knows. Yeah. That's why we do it, still do it for free, and he gets paid a salary to do it. Yeah. Correct. Um, so, guys, look, um, not a huge amount of Brighton news, 
uh, that I've seen apart from that injury to Welbeck, which was already already out there. So it's not not a huge amount. Um, I'll, I'll run through their lineup from the last game, and I expect that it'll be fairly similar this week as well. Uh, Sanchez in goal, a back four of Webster, Dunk, uh, Estupinan, and Joel Veltman. Uh, a midfield of Sully Marsh, Alexis McAllister, Pascal Gross, Kauru Matoma, and Moises Casado, and then up front, Dennis Undav. Now, Sammy, you, you obviously watched a little bit of Brighton recently. Their yeah. midfield is incredibly impressive. We look at Casado, yeah. who was touted as, as leaving for around 80 million. Matoma yeah. is just in unreal form at the moment, scoring for fun crazy. every week. Sully March has had an amazing season so far. He's scored a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. From midfield as well, which is even more impressive. Yeah. Alexis McAllister just won the uh, the World Cup World with Cup. Argentina. This yeah. is like a, a top tier midfield that we're coming up against. Yeah. Do you think Fulham though have it in them to? I missed out Pascal Gross obviously, but he's also a very experienced Premier League midfielder. Do you think we have? Do you think we have the ability to shut down a midfield like that? And do you think it's going to be left entirely up to Polina and Reed to just? go through and create some havoc? I don't know. <laughs> is my my honest answer. It's what like it's a it's a very kind of like call before the storm kind of game because there's no hype. And if you weren't a Fulham fan or a Brighton fan, you probably wouldn't necessarily be that interested. But this is the potential to be a, a an extremely excellent contest. Like, oh I sound very pundity right now. But it's genuinely true. <laughs> like uh like I'm turning to Gary, yeah, yeah, legit turning to <laughs> Gary Neville. Um, but like, yeah, it's um because I think um Brighton have a very technical prowess about them. Like they are, they are so silky when you watch them play. Like they're they're, they're again, I can't sing their praises enough. And we have a very boisterous kind of like quality about us. Like Reed and Polina will just nullify everything. And um, Pereira is underrated as well with his level of pressing. Like, oh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. It's kind of, it's very apples and oranges. It's, I, it genuinely, like, it, it really could be a, an, a really excellent game of football. Again, very pundity, well, but like, it's, it's, well, ju- it's true. The, the pundity <laughs> part of that, Sam, is the fact that I asked the question and you didn't, and you didn't answer it. Yeah. Uh, go, yeah. Go, go ahead, Dan. <laughs> That's the politician in if me. You, if you, if you if you take this apart, right? Obviously, in midfield, there's there's two parts to it. There's defence and attack. I, I'm going to rate Polina and Harrison as equal to or most in midfield from a defensive perspective, from Agreed. a work rate. So, um, but if if Bobby starts on the right, you know, can Bobby defend? Sure, he can. If if Solomon starts on the left, um. I think that's a little bit more contentious. He's he's your attacking man. I don't see him really digging deep and working working as part of the, those four to, point, to stop all. Point of order, though, I, you don't really see Willian dropping back and defending that often either. True. I, I, I agree. Having said that, did you see him against Chelsea, how hard he was working to win those second yeah. balls and how yeah. he was putting his body in? Unbelievably, I mean, I don't know if if he just got up specially for that Chelsea game, but his his defensive effort in that game was very very noticeable. Very. I noticeable. will say though, and I saw a tweet about this, a little video clip of Solomon 
picking up the the scraps from a corner. I don't know if you remember. It was right towards the end of the game as Forrest were pushing mm-hmm. us quite tight. Solomon took the ball towards the corner. Um, yep. Skillfully that. beat a man, played a beautiful one too, and basically played Fulham out of danger. So I, yep. I think Solomon actually works really hard off the ball, maybe not defensively as such, but he does does track back and and try and win a ball if he's lost it. And I, I'd I'd still back him to to put in a good shift. I think the biggest thing here will be the shape that Brighton play. They they're quite compact. Mm. Um, you know, McAllister, Marsh, Gross, Caicedo, they're all central players. They're not wingers, um, yeah. and and I can see them trying to overload the midfield. And will it be too much for Polina and Reed, seeing as we do play quite wide with Deckard over Reed and Solomon out on the wings, and Pereira does play quite far forward as well? Mm. There's a possibility of a bit of an overload in midfield from there from Brighton, and it'll it'll just be down to how well Polina and Reed can handle that. I think if they do handle that, there'll be a lot of opportunities for us because defensively, we know Lewis Dunk is a very good defender. Um, you know, on on the on the verge of the England team, um, I think down the wings there's there's the possibility for Fulham to actually exploit it a bit with with a bit of skill, a bit of good movement that we've seen recently as well. I, I, like Sam said, I, I do agree. I think this is going to be a really exciting game, but I, I'll disagree with you, Sam. That I, I think this you said that this won't be one for the, the neutral pundit. I think this is a great game for a neutral six versus I seventh. I don't think I two, said that. Well, you did. Six versus no. seventh, two teams <laughs> outside the Premier League top six fighting away at each other. I think this is going to be a ripper game to watch. And and Jack, just to, to follow on from what you said about that and Brighton's compactness, I totally agree. And if you think about our ability that both Ream and Diop have been demonstrating from actually starting attacking moves by switching play and switching it out wide mm. um, in the re- recent couple of weeks, I think there's some real opportunities there for Solomon and BDR and William. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, look, guys, I think we've got very pundity there and sounded like we know a lot about football despite the fact that we don't. I know. I know. Um, I know. Let's, I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel let's, let's I'm going to relax with, again. Yeah. yeah, let's finish it off with um, some stupid predictions like usual. Sammy, I'll go first. Things I'm looking for a weird one. What's your, what's your score line? Oh, I don't know. Um, Some rising, uh, very rising, rising music coming up, Sam. Just, just, just like just feeling the air. Just, just. We've got people watching, waiting. Sammy, come on. Oh yeah, riveting, riveting. Um, Do you know what? I'm going to say one nil. I'm glad we waited all that time for that. Thanks for that, Dad. On to you. I'm going to one Fulham. Uh, I'm going to go with a one nil as well. Um, Steve Reynolds, following along on the live stream, predicts one all, saying I would take that. I 100% yeah. agree with that, Steve. I think mm. we, we're all, we're all predicting wins here, but realistically, when you come up against a team around you in the league, you would you would probably take a draw. I think we're we're being positive as we always should as Fulham fans and as fans in general of football. Um, but I think we would take a draw if we walked away with a good performance and a draw or even a scrappy performance and a draw, we'd take it because it, it's points against a team in the top half. And as long as we're beating teams below us, we'll be good this season. Um, 
What I will do, though, uh, unless anyone has any other points to make on on the Brighton team, and again, I, th- I think Jack, um, you're you're right about accepting a one nil or a draw, but if you think about the way that Silver goes about games, even against the top teams, he's very very attacking, even against the top teams. So he, I don't think he's going to be trying to tough out the first half and then nick a goal and then park the bus. He's not going to do that. No. He will be trying. He'll he'll be trying to score two goals in the first half. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I think we're not that team that sits back and tries to nick a win. We yeah. we're going to be going for it, and it's it's a matter of if we can keep Brighton out for the whole game, and yeah. how many we score. And I think a lot of that's going to be down to the form that Mitrovic is in. And you know, you guys spoke about it on the Forest podcast, and I don't think we need to cover the fact that he's in a bad patch at the moment. I still believe that. He'll come out of that bad patch. I have complete faith that he's a proven goal scorer. We know he can score goals. So um, I, I think it's a matter of time, and I'm hoping that this is the game that he does it. So, look, let's let's move on to a new feature that I've brought in, Jack's top tip. Now, this one, um, Gamble Responsibly, was uh, <laughs> put Sorry. forward to me by a tweet that I saw on Twitter. Not put forward to me, but came to me in a dream while I was scrolling Twitter. Um, and I can't remember who it was, and I'm really sorry for not being able to shout the person out. I will try and find them and, and give them the credit. I think I retweeted it on the That's So Craven account. Um, but they they flagged the odds for Fulham Brighton. Uh, the Fulham are currently paying – sorry that this is a little bit small on the screen here. Fulham are currently paying $5 to beat Brighton. Now, for those in England who don't use the decimal system like we do in Australia, that's 5 to 1. Um, now, Dad, you, you've done a little bit of betting in your time, not a huge amount, I don't think, but um, have you ever seen uh, a, odds like this for teams who are next to each other in the league, both performing really well? Have you ever seen a team paying $1.60 to win in Brighton and $5 for Fulham to win? And this is the value of flying under the radar. Long may it continue. So, because you know, well, that, that's that's it in a nutshell. Uh, not, not not that we want no journalistic coverage, just so we can actually get good odds. But this is one of the outcomes, I guess. Um, I think, given that we're one position in the league away from them, and you know, three quarters of the way through the season and performing, sort of, pretty much head to head in terms of success. Those are astonishing odds and indicative of someone at whoever those... It's a is sports that, bet. Is that Betfair? But, sports but bet. it's sports bet, not, but literally not following across the board. Yeah, across that's, the board, that's someone not, the odds. Mm. Yeah, that's weird. It's weird. I'm not, yeah. I, don't, I don't necessarily think it's that weird, just purely because I do think that when the season's done, I think Brighton are actually going to be in the Champions League. No, but that's and not how I, that's not how that's not how match day odds work. This is about a game in a couple of days' time where they're saying Fulham are five to one for a win and Brighton are one dollar fifty odd. Doesn't yeah, make but sense. I'm, yeah, but I'm just saying that it's a dumb metric, but I can kind of understand why they would back a consistent Brighton for the past four years over a very, very hot Fulham. Uh, I, I think you're mis misreading it a little bit there, Sam. For for well, I don't really bet that much, so I don't I don't know. <laughs> for for context, 
Aston Villa are paying better odds to beat Arsenal this weekend than Fulham are to beat Brighton. Um, yeah, that's nuts. Which mm. is, I just don't understand. Leicester are paying the same odds to beat Man United at the moment. Um, it's just it's it's baffling, and even the draw at four dollars seems uh, the arbitrage. The arbitrage. This is this is this is why we pay you the big bucks to scout this sort of stuff out, Jack. Yeah, well, the, this is thanks to Twitter for pinging it up, and uh, apologies to my bank account for the fact that I'm going to be taking advantage of this. Um, <laughs> a little comment from Steve there: four to one for the draw, two to one on less than two goals in the match, which. Um, I think you can just see there, yeah, under under two and a half goals, two to one, um, which is just really kind of crazy odds. And and the reason I, I think this is crazy is usually when a team's playing a dollar sixty one way, they'd be paying about three dollars, maybe three fifty the other way. Mm. So to see Fulham mm. paying five dollars is just uh, it just seems a little bit strange. Um, and so what anomaly. I've done, it it does feel what? like an anomaly, which is why it, it got flagged and why we've got this segment now. So what I've done is I've stuck a bet on is what you're really trying to say. Yeah. So what I've done is remortgage the house. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Alfie but, and Lola, I'm going to eat this week, but I'm uh, I'm but, putting all my luck. If Fulham win, I'm going to be at Craven Cottage next weekend. So, um, no. What I've done though is I've put together a cheeky little multi bet. Um, now I'm not sure 100 percent if you can do this in the UK. I'm pretty sure you can. Uh, not sure around the rest of the world where if you can place bets like this. But what I've done is put uh, put a bet on um, Fulham to win, Alexander Mitrovic to score at any time, uh, only Fulham to score in the game and to score less than two and a half goals. So basically to win either 1-0 or 2-0. Um, that's paying $20.25, so it's 20 to 1 odds. It's good um, odds. I, I think it's worth 10 bucks to win 200 off that. Um if I put a hundred on, um, I am flying to Craven Cottage the next week. At that point, um, I can afford to sit in the Riverside stand as well, which would be quite nice. Um, I love how you're just you pu- like very openly publicising your bet. I just think, like I really hope Tegan isn't listening to this now. <laughs> hey, is it 10, well, this 10 is just bucks? a tease. This yeah. is just a tease. I think you I know. Safe. I know when you. I know when you <laughs> say ten bucks, it's probably more likely to be forty-five. <laughs> No, I wish I could afford forty-five on there. Uh, that'd be yeah. worth it. Eight hundred bucks in the pocket out of forty-five would be pretty, pretty worthwhile as well. I have to say. I do quite like this um, segment. This is funny. <laughs> but no, I, I think uh, I'm going to sound super like I work for sports, but at this point, I'm, I think this is genuinely. It's obviously a bit of a stretch with four legs, but I think it's actually kind of crazy value when you're looking at a. Uh, I mean, how you just tipped one nil, Sammy. Um, I'm mm. tipping one nil with a Mitro goal. Um, and you put ten bucks on, you win two hundred. It's it kind of seems like a not the worst bet in the world. But anyway, like I said, gamble responsibly, and this is just a bit of fun. <laughs> just, just a bit Please of fun to show. Responsibly. Uh, it's just a bit of fun, and it, it does at the end of the day actually, um, you know, it, it shows that Fulham are being underestimated by not just journalists, but by betting algorithms as well, which is kind of crazy. Um, because we are sitting seventh in the league and we're having a great season, and yet we we can't even get um, you know betting companies to to back us at that point, which is kind of nuts. Um, and, and I know, look, this this segment's not going to be for everyone talking about betting. I know that there's a lot of issues with betting in football and betting sponsorship as well. But like I said, it's just a bit of fun uh, having a look at odds that are floating around and seeing how badly Fulham are being underestimated. And look, if people 
enjoy the segment. Please let us know. If you are really against it, we can definitely chuck it in the bin because I know and if, betting and is slightly bet. contentious. And if sports but bet also I want to sponsor sports. us, that's fine. Like, it's cool. Like, <laughs> I've got I a question. Mind. I've got a question, Jack, for your, to test your um, sport, multi-bet sports betting prowess here. So if someone um, had a multi, like a three-leg multi, Fulham to win, William to score, um, and I don't know, whatever else, um, and then William doesn't play, what happens to that person's money? Uh, asking for a friend. So <laughs> I, I believe the William leg gets pulled out of that multi and this would then go from a four-leg multi into a three-leg multi. So you'd only get the odds of a Fulham win, uh, no to both teams to score and under two and a half goals. Thanks. I'll let him know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we've, we've worked out what, uh, what dad's bet is on the weekend. Um, <laughs> anyway, bit of fun. Gamble responsibly. Moving on. <laughs> Sorry, the gamble response to me is just that just gets me every time. Hey, That's I'm amazing. covering my ass contractually. I've got lawyers. I, I've got lawyers in the family, but I don't want to have to engage them. I just constantly think of the South Park bit where it's like you with the girl in a fast car doing all this. This is amazing. Please drink responsibly. And <laughs> oh. uh, another good one is uh, to be booked, Xiao Polina. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a guarantee. Anyway, Sammy, Sam's split second snap. Let's hear it, Sammy. Oh, what have you got for us this week? Uh, we have a narrative, gentlemen, and you guys are gonna hate it, and the chat's gonna love it. That's gonna be that's gonna be how it rolls. So, Tony Khan, a megalomaniac, lovely, lovely boss, has decided. He wants to earn some extra income. So he, this time he's venturing into boy bands. So, But he's not going to get the boys to sing because he's smarter than that. He's going to pull a Millie Vanilli. Um, for those of you who aren't initiated on that, Millie Vanilli was a band in the 90s that basically got um, caught out for uh, lip singing all of their songs. So what we're going to do is we're going to select... A boy band. We're going to create a boy band in the Fulham squad. And you have to pick the most realistic member from the two people that I give you. Are you ready to play? Great. Yeah, sure. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. So starting off strong. Remember, boy band. Think boy band in your head. Okay. So starting off strong, Harry Wilson or Dan James? Who's the Nile? Uh, I go. I go. Harry Wilson. He's got a Harry little Wilson. more energy. More energy Sorry. about him. What's, what's sure the question again, Sammy? <laughs> so basically, who gets what to be doing, in the boy band? Who gets to be in the boy band? You always got a choice of two. We've done. We've done this enough times. So you always get a choice of two. So you're. So you're Louis Walsh right now, and you're picking between Harry Wilson. And I love how William's just gone Wilson. He gets it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't need to explain it to William. He just knew. Okay, so Jack, you're Louis Walsh, Simon Cowell, and uh, I don't know. Sharon, uh, right? I'm I'm with you now. It's okay. it's Dan James. He he looks like a boy band member. He does look like a boy band member. Okay, all right. I think I'm going to go Dan James. Although that was that was a tough one. Okay, so we're picking our Zane. So we have Kazawa or Bobby Decadova Reed. Ooh, uh, Kazawa. Uh, have you seen his Instagram? Really? I have not seen his Instagram. Up. 
He yeah, looks like he's in a lives band, in a music though? video twenty four seven. Is that boy band though? <laughs> yeah, is hundred percent? Okay, all right, okay. It's your boy band, man. You're you're picking yours. I'm picking Bobby Decker Dover Reed. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going Bobby as well. I think I'm going Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. William William's backing you as well on the live live stream. He's... Says exotic flavor. Good good comment there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got lovely eyes as well. Okay, now we're going for like the strong stoic type in the group. All right. Okay, so we're going for Diop or Leno, who who's 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 making the group. It's got to be Ooh. Diop. I can't see Leno giving it a bit of, you know, um, choreography. No. I, I can't see it. I see Leno in the I same imagine, way. I can imagine him as a baritone, baritone, just yeah. like standing his ground in the corner at the back of the video. Yeah, and uh, just like just like holding it up. I think of him like the huge bloke in the Backstreet Boys, the one who just like wanders around in like the trench coat. I, I see Leno in that kind of way, but I think I might be <laughs> picking. I think I might be picking Diop for this. But yeah. William, William, by the way, says Leno. How about his hair? Well, I don't he, really know what that means. He does have good hair. I'll give him. I'll give him that. All right. Okay. Okay. And um, again, okay. The 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 cool guy in the group. Maybe this. I I, th- I think this one will be the Justin Timberlake of the group. The 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 breakout star, Anthony Robinson or Pereira. Oh, Ooh. how could you look past Pereira? I know this yeah. has been mentioned before, but uh, that hair. Um, the bleach blonde. Those eyebrows. He's got ve- very, v- very on trend with those big bushy eyebrows. That's true. That's true. Okay. Now um, let's let's pick the sensitive one in the group, the one who's constantly overlooked but has a very unique following online. Shane Duffy or Tom Kearney? Oh, TC. I have, I have heard it on. Uh, yeah. I have heard it on 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 good authority, and I think this was a little little uh, Fulham TV um, interview that Mitro gave that um, TC's a massive Justin Bieber fan. Um, and apparently yeah. apparently he listens to him, quotes him, dresses like him, tries to make his haircut look like him, which I'm not yeah. sure if he achieves. But so he's, he's obviously uh, would, be, would be very up for that role. I don't know about you guys, but Tom Kearney to me just kind of looks like a Love Island contestant, and Agree. I just ne- that just never that just never gets out of my brain. So yeah, he's in for me. <laughs> and finally, the unofficial leader of the group. Um, so there's two ways we can go about this. So I've picked either Tim Ream or Solomon because Solomon kind of looks like Prince to me. <laughs> oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah. It's got to be Tim Ream for me. Tim Ream. I can just imagine reckon... midway through a song, he just reaches back, pulls out, pulls the pony out, pulls out the, the hair, comes out, yeah. and he gives it a Key big hair flick. Key yeah. change. Yeah. I'm all. I'm all yeah. for that magic <laughs> moment change, in a music video. Yeah. 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 See, yeah, like, yeah, see, yeah. like, see, like, see, like, Tim Ream for me is more like Westlife than opposed to like I don't know, like. Um, Backstreet Boys or InSync Energy that um, Solomon's kind of giving, but yeah, no, I, c- I can see where you're going with Tim Ream. It just kind of depends on what boy band you want to make, and you guys, you guys are the authority of that. But yeah, uh, I think I'm. I think I'm going to go Solomon. I think I'm going to go Solomon. Yeah, I, I, I can see it as well. But I, I'm all for Tim Ream on a beach with a loose white linen shirt, 
sorry yeah, I'm is, all for it. It, you're you're just talking about a creed video now uh no i'm thinking <laughs> black and white yeah i guess that is still a creed video but no, <laughs> no I'm, 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 I'm actually school. seeing i'm seeing ricky Gervais boys to men releasing, yeah. releasing a dove yeah, yeah. i'm yeah. i'm thinking like 50 year old take that but <laughs> Yep. And that's the segment. That's the segment. Yeah, I like that, Sam. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed yeah, that. Good job, Sam. I think we were worried we were running out of ideas after last time. So it's good that you've come back. I definitely uh, ran out of strong. ideas. This is no, this. good comeback. <laughs> good, good to see you've come back strong, Sammy. Um, so look, guys, that just about does it. We're bang on an hour, as we always seem to be. Um, really looking forward to this game and look, really happy to be back on the podcast as well, talking about it and looking forward to watching along and discussing this one afterwards as well, because I think this could be potentially a season defining moment for us. I know we've had quite a few of those already, but a win here proving that we we can sort of do it with the big boys as well. I think that'll be a really important moment for us. So I'm looking forward to, to the game um, and a big thanks as well for, for both of you for, for taking care of the podcast while I was away as well. Uh, really enjoyable listen and, Thank you for struggling through the technical difficulties that you see I have to deal with every week. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm glad I'm glad we were able to still keep it going, even though one of us was out of action. And um, I look forward to taking more holidays now that I know you guys can do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> a big thanks, though, to everyone who uh, has liked and subscribed to the podcast. Um, huge thanks to our Twitter following as well at the moment. We've We've jumped up in recent weeks. I think a couple of weeks ago, we only had about 30 or 40 followers. We're now up above 250 followers. So um, really appreciate anyone who's been out there sharing us on Twitter. And look, if you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy the content we're putting out, please do retweet it, share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram, wherever you listen to your podcasts, wherever you consume content, please share the podcast because we really appreciate it. And, you know, we do it for the people listening to it. So if you enjoy it, we'd like to make sure we get to more people as well. And uh, another shout-out as well for Sammy and his TikTok work in the last week or so. It's been top quality, and I've enjoyed every second of it. Um, thank you. So, guys, uh, Sammy, thank you very much for joining us today and uh, look forward to talking to you after a Fulham win. Thank you. I want to shout-out Steve Reynolds' comment as well of Leno germanic jaw that that <laughs> might be my favorite one of the evening and yeah no great chat really really enjoyed it really enjoyed it excited for the game i'm uh, going to be i can see uh leno germanic jaw being a podcast name at some point when he pulls off a couple of wonder saves and uh dad thank you for joining us today yeah thanks i enjoyed it a very good chat and really looking forward to saturday night so without further ado Come on, you white.